The weather's cold, sleigh bells are ringing, and someone's coming down the chimney. That's right, it's me, Dean Daniel, celebrating another year of the Probably Bad podcast. To celebrate properly, on the 23rd at 7pm GMT, we will be playing The Elder Scrolls Skyrim. One of the hottest new games on the market, or so I am told. But with a special twist. There'll be mods installed, but the editor who will be playing the game has not been informed of what those mods will be. Enjoy the chaos. Also, thanks to our patrons, especially Hedwig and Carlo. Merry probably bad to one and all. Hello and welcome to the Probably Bad Podcast, a podcast which is definitely bad. I'm Pencil. I'm Paper. Today's Probably Bad RPG idea is... The outsiders finally learned Summon Mortal and have now summoned your conjurer mid-bathroom break to yell, how do you like it at them? I mean, obviously this is a thing that happens to me regularly, but I just think that um, the fact that the material plane is just another dimension isn't exploited enough. Like, you very rarely get, like, you know, the noble heroes go into the hells to fight Asmodeus, and Asmodeus just cash Spanishment and sends them back to the farm they started the adventure at. Well, yeah, because there's spells that summon pretty much everything else, including beasts, yeah. which are from the material plane. Yeah. So why shouldn't you also be able to summon humanoid? At the very least, summon nature's allies should let you summon hippies. Give them, like, an axe and send them at your enemies. I think summon nature's allies should certainly let you be able to summon, say, a CR3 druid. To be fair, like, I do like the idea that part of becoming a druid is that you're now officially nature's ally and thus can be summoned by the spell. That actually does sort of work as an in-universe thing. See, this is why I think all children should have at least one level in Druid, so if they go missing, you can just summon them back. I really like that, because sort of, in-universe, it's kind of implied that, like, Druid circles are these secret, mysterious organisations. You're just showing up with your baby, being like, hi, could you, could you put them in the um, order? They keep running away. Just imagine a fantasy setting where druidry is kind of like being in the scouts. Where, like, you know, early on, it's just very basic stuff, and then some of the kids go on to keep doing it and go into forestry and all that sort of stuff. But most of them just have, like, you know, just a little bit of druidcraft. Like, you're hanging out with someone, and they're just like, um, you know, you need to get some from a high shelf. So they just turn into a bear, and when you ask them, like, oh yeah, no, I did a little bit of druidry when I was eight. <laughs> You come across your friend talking to trees and it's like, oh no, it's fine, I was in Scouts. I think this will sort of go back to, I feel people need to like take into account the fact that the um, D&D world and a lot of role-playing worlds are worlds where any random person might be able to level the town. But yeah, back to Summon Mortal, back to like the Druid Scouts, because... 
know, yeah, that's just... much more fun than considering that D and D is ultimately a cosmic horror setting that no one does cosmic horror in. E. Anyway, moving away from the implications of the universe, the Scouts. <laughs> My question is like, how loosely do you define nature's ally? Because a ranger could be nature's ally or nature's foe. I mean, I did put on the Twitter summon nature's enemy, which is when you just call forth a capitalist. I think, okay, if you have petted an animal in the last 24 hours, you can be summoned by nature's ally one. But what you know, if you're, you're petting the animal as a ploy? Then you become, then this goes under summon nature's false friend or nature, summon nature's frenemy, which is where you summon people who pet cats for insincerely. Okay. Yeah, you've got summon nature's ally, summon nature's enemy, and summon nature's frenemy. Are these spells at different levels or are they just different manifestations of the same ability? Like, you know, they, they're the same as, like, you know, the other ones, and they all go up from one to nine. Because I feel, yeah, Summon Nature's Ally is level one, you summon a guy who petted a cat. Level nine, you summon the entirety of Greenpeace. Like, and it goes between those two. Okay. This is how Greenpeace does meetings, incidentally. I'm just trying to work out, like, Summon Nature's frenemy, would that be, like, Petta? Well, like yeah. they're, they're, they're pretending that that's what they what they want, but they're kind of dicks. Yeah, I feel it'd be either like someone like Petter who is trying to help but is really, really bad at it, or like someone at a slaughterhouse who you know comforts and calms animals, but with the intention of stabbing them in the face. <laughs> I don't think that's how slaughterhouses work. <laughs> this. The animal goes in, and then the slaughterhouse man hugs the animal, and then when the animals learn to a full sense of purity, they stab it because betrayal makes the meat taste better. <laughs> I think I think that's going to be our next piece of merch. Yeah, that's why they have the Jude. That's why they have the Judas goat because the Judas goat like betrays all of the other goats, so that all of the goats like are sad when they're when they're not executed. Sad when they're butchered, and they have a special man there who pretends to be the animal's friend. See, I thought that the Judas goat was because ultimately the goats need to die in order to redeem goat kind of its sin. That uh, like it's a very complicated um theology here. This is our closest episode to Christmas. I don't know how we ended up on Easter. Hmm. You know, the two do follow from each other. <laughs> I mean, I guess the death does follow from the birth. It's a long time since I've been to church, but I'm pretty sure death tends to come after birth. Uh, Jesus' miracle was that he did die and then was later born. He did it backwards. <laughs> I, I think we've lost track of the question. Ben Button! Yeah, Jesus was famously the inspiration for Benjamin Button. Anyway, yeah, so back to the question, which we sort of got wildly off track from. Mmm. Like, because, okay, so an actual idea. So, you know, you summon a demon or, you know, a supernatural creature because it can do things that you can't. Yeah. 
And obviously, you know, a lot of supernatural things have restrictions. So, like, you know, a fairy summons you because it needs to go lie to someone and break a promise, and it can't do that, so it's sending you out to do it on its behalf. Like, you know, like, demons need to go enter a holy place, so they summon you to use your magical powers of being able to enter consecrated ground to go beat up a priest. Like, I, I feel really like, like that. Yeah, I feel there's something there. Yeah, vampire summons you to go and do its shopping because the, the shop closes before sunset. Hmm. There's a really interesting idea in here with, like, angels can't do sins, but sometimes, you know, there are necessary evils. So you are someone who is summoned by the higher planes to go do things that the angels cannot morally do themselves. Like, you're sort of like the shadow side of the um, celestial planes. I like that a lot. I I want to play a game where that is the party. Yeah, like whenever there's something that has to be done to stop the forces of hell that, you know, is too morally dubious for angels, they summon you guys and they're like, you know, go go beat up that toddler. The, the toddler I, I'm can... not sure beating up a toddler is morally dubious so much as just the kid has yet to do anything wrong. Uh, the toddler contains a portal to hell that can only be closed by throwing them at something. Oh, that's fair enough. Um, and yeah, I do. I also do weirdly like the inverse where demons summon you to go and like give cakes to old ladies. I don't know why, but like, yeah, you run the home for aging Satanists. Like. The demons need to, like, get on someone's good side, but they can't quite bring themselves to send them a gift basket so they summon you. See, now we're getting into, like, the moral question of if you get someone to do a bad thing, mm. is that not in itself a bad thing? Like, how it's illegal to hire an assassin? That is true. I feel what I would have to do, then, is the angels summon you... And they're like, hello, you know, we're just angels, we're just hanging around. Did you know that there's this, like, immoral thing that would be really helpful if someone did? And obviously we can't tell you to do it, but, you know, it would be really helpful if someone burnt down that city. Okay, so it's like a Henry II turbulent priest loophole. Yeah. Like, you know, they're just telling you the situation, what you want to do um, with that information is up to you. And I think this party should have one really oblivious member, so the angel is just there, like, winking with all 42,000 of its eyes, like, it sure would be useful if somebody were to steal those items. It's a shame that we cannot do that as morally upstanding individuals, winks 4,000 times. And then the guy's just like, yeah, that does sound useful. Be nice. Hope someone does that. <laughs> just keep hinting until eventually the guy's like, hey, do you... What if I did that? Would that be helpful? Yeah. And that also like, gets around to having to pay them if they offer. Yeah, and you it's didn't like... ask them to do it. Yeah, it's like, you know, again, it's like, kind of, obviously, you know, it would be helpful. We can't advocate you doing it, but we can't lie, so it would be helpful. Some passive-aggressive angel. <laughs> the other thing I like is that, you know, you have um, binding circles. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can summon a spirit and trap it there. 
Presumably that would also work on humans in this AU. Oh yeah, it's like the, the Tumblr post that goes around that's like, what what five items would someone put in a circle yeah. to summon you? Like, I'd like to, like, you know, salt stops um, supernatural things escaping. But it doesn't work on humans, so they've just set up a fence around you. <laughs> Maybe an electric fence if they're really yeah. powerful summoners. I am a truly mighty sorcerer, I say, attaching barbed wire to my fence. <laughs> it's like, you know, a whole lot of it is like, yes, you just need to learn what things um, resonate badly with different supernatural entities' nature. And, you know, electrocution resonates badly with our nature. It does. Like, we I've are vulnerable to lightning damage. Yeah, I've discovered the bane of humanity, I say, throwing rocks at a dude. <laughs> And you know, there's there's special crystals which are harmful to to humanoids. Yeah, uranium comes to mind. I do I do like the idea of you're just summoned into a ring of uranium <laughs> due to due to a slight misunderstanding of how these things work. Well, you're a particularly powerful humanoid, and they <laughs> want to make sure you're properly bound. <laughs> yeah, like I do. It sort of throws to another idea I have of, like, you know, humans are considered, like, powerful for their various supernatural abilities, such as being able to cross salt lines and being able to tell lies. Mm-hmm. And I just like that sort of flip of perspective of just... Oh, so, of course, the thing of, like, you know, vampires aren't weak to a stake through the heart. They react completely normally to a stake through the heart. It's just they're invulnerable to everything else. Yeah, they're just not strong to it. Yeah. Like, like how zombies aren't strong to beheading. And just, you know, like... Hi, I'm Hazel and I present the Bread and Thread podcast with Liz, also known as Paper from Probably Bad. Um, Bread and Thread is a podcast about food history and domestic history and generally social history. We delve into a lot of different things. So if you'd like to know which country has laws against importing sheep, what cookbook will tell you how to make a great martini and also how to survive a nuclear bomb attack, uh, or why you are using a fork right now, then come over to Bread and Thread and give us a listen. You can find us on Spotify or wherever else podcasts are, I don't know. So speaking of vampires, our first question is probably the worst question we've ever got and was also sent to us twice within the space of three days, but we're answering it so you can stop sending it now. Vampire the Masquerade. If all of a vampire's bodily fluids are replaced with blood, and all they ingest is blood, what's up with their piss? Is it blood in, blood out? Do they still get nutrients? I don't know the answer to Vampire the Masquerade. I do know the answer to Vampire the Requiem, because they had a source book which explained these details for reasons I'm not quite clear on. But... You know it's someone's kink. That's the answer. When a vampire drinks blood... Uh, the blood doesn't, like, 
the fist like the sort of metaphysical nature of the blood um absorbs into their body and sustains them um and yes it is blood in blood out they just remove the blood from their body it doesn't technically have to be pissing they could like you know vomit it up but generally you know for old times sake it's pissing Oh, um, that's just nostalgic about piss. But yes, no, it is blood in, blood out. Uh, they consume the mystical part of the blood and the physical part of the blood. Just It's just blood. They just got to get it out. Um, so, yeah. I hope you're happy, Anon. <laughs> Uh, again, I don't know whether it's the same in Vampire the Masquerade. I think... I would assume it would be. Like, I don't see why they'd change it. Because, like, so the other question, and this is going to get us demonetized and banned, is if all of their body fluids are replaced with blood, do they come blood? I mean... I would have to assume... Like, there's just something really weird about thing, But there is a fundamental difference between piss and cum. Yeah, but it's all of their body fluids. I, I, I was going to expand on that. That wasn't the end of the thought. Uh, okay. Well, piss is basically a combination of things extracted from your food. Hmm. It's like the majority of it. Yeah. Which, you know, would make sense in this context, because it's... Yeah, like whereas the majority of cum is something... Yeah, whereas the majority of cum is something that you make yourself. Okay, so this... If I may go back to the Vampire the Requiem source book, The Blood, which went into a lot of these things. So, the reason vampires, uh, you know, you don't notice that they have blood instead of saliva, say, or blood instead of tears, is that they can sort of make the sort of... Mystical fluid they absorb from blood into sort of, you know, things that mimic other fluids. So presumably a vampire could make blood come if they wanted to. Okay, so it's it's kind of choose your own adventure. Yeah. Does that also mean that, you know, as you say, for old time's sake, they could piss urine if they wanted to? Possibly. I would assume so, yeah. Because I have to imagine, you know, you have a lot of those public toilets where the it's not urinals, it's basically just a trough. Yeah, because basically... And like, the other vamp- people in there, if they spotted that out the corner of their eye, would be concerned. So presumably, like, as a camouflage mm. tactic, you, you'd yeah. have to is this, make it look it like... Is it a violation people. of bathroom etiquette to look at the person next to you who is just pissing a stream of blood? I feel like at that point it's okay because, you know, that's that's concern for a fellow person who's clearly in distress. Hmm. What if they turn to go, don't worry, it's just for old time's sake? I think that would be breaking the masquerade, which is just a different problem. <laughs> but yeah, uh, uh, vampires can, they can use, uh, I think it's called the kiss of life or the bloom of life to make themselves look like normal humans. Which includes, you know, all of the normal human stuff. Uh, although, interestingly, vampires who've reached zero humanity, who have sort of completely lost grip of their human side, uh, can no longer do this, and therefore presumably do salivate blood. And sweat it, presumably. Yeah, and sweat it, presumably. Yeah, I think vampires... Oh, no. are not... 
yeah, vampires normally just don't sweat. If they want to sweat, they can normally sweat normal things. But yes, a zero humanity vampire would presumably sweat blood. Which is quite a distressing mental image. Yeah. So I, I hope you're happy, person who will forever be vampire pissing on, for sending this question twice and forcing me to include it in the podcast. Please stop sending us it. Please, I'm begging you. <laughs> right, and so our next question. Uh, our next question, for which paper actually did do research, is also anonymous. Let's say, hypothetically, if I didn't have a horse for whatever reason and I needed to pull a cart, how many feral cats would I need? Yeah, I learned, I learned about horsepower for this question because I am a professional. Um, I found that someone tested how much pulling strength their cat had and found that it was about 196th of a horsepower. So you would think that the answer is 96, except a horse does not produce one horsepower. <laughs> a human can produce a horsepower. A horse can produce up to 15 horsepower, because apparently we were projecting when we called it that. I like to imagine it was made by someone who does not know what a horse is. Well, yeah, it's like, what, what's a really good sounding word? Horse. It's a strong sound. Or someone who couldn't tell the difference between people and horses. So, yeah, according to that, the answer is somewhere between 96 and 1,440 feral cats. Oh, so. I, I think if you look at D&D stats, it's not as bad. But also, why feral cats specifically? They're going to be the hardest to work with kind. I think, I think it's because, suppose you want to get a good deal in a town. If you mm -hmm. come in with 1,046 feral cats, people will just give no. you things for free. 1,440. 1,440 feral cats. People will just give you things for free, so you leave. It's really good for trading. That does make sense. Like, excite like probably bad business idea. Attend all business negotiations tied to one thousand four hundred and forty feral cats, and just wait to see how quickly people will give you things in order to make you and your one thousand four hundred and forty feral cats stop being in their meeting room. Yes, feral ones also does make sense just from a numbers point of view. Yeah, like, like it's going to be really expensive to buy one thousand four hundred and forty like you know domesticated cats. Yeah, whereas you could probably just go around and catch that many feral cats if you're in a large enough city. Mm. Um, like, we'd like to I, I like... haven't looked this up, but I have to assume there's at least that many feral cats somewhere like New York. Mm. I'd like to specify this is meant in the sense of it is coherently possible for you to go pick up, to go grab that many feral cats. It is probably not actually possible for you to go grab that many feral cats so you will die. However, this podcast does support you in the attempt. Yes, uh, this podcast takes no responsibility for any attempts you do with feral cats, but do send us the video. Um, <laughs> also, the other thing I noticed about this question is it's not related to RPGs in any way. 
No, because like I say, if you just look at the strength stats that D&D gives it, the answer is six cats. Hmm. But that's boring. Yeah. You know, most people won't, like, give you free stuff to make you leave the room if you just have six cats. They'll just pet the six cats. Well, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm vaguely worried that this is, like, actual life advice, in which case, uh, when you do make your horrifying cat chariot, please don't tell anyone it was under our, under our advice. To be fair, we are probably bad. This is probably the worst piece of life advice. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's probably... 1,440 feral cats. Like, my worry is they'd form a hive mind? <laughs> like, like, they'd all bunch together like Voltron and form a giant super cat? Cat Voltron! Which, you know, because 1,440 times smarter than a cat, because they're all working together, that's got to be at least as smart as a human. Pencil, have you ever been on a group project? It's going to be 1,440 times dumber than a cat. Like, you know, it depends on how good these feral cats are at working together. That's true. Maybe, maybe they will elect... A small mm. parliament of cats to control the cat Voltron. Yeah, you get the ten smartest feral cats, and they're guiding the cat Voltron. Um, yeah, they'd all like work together. That's a thing cats famously do. Well, especially feral ones. Yeah, feral cats famously are very good at making friends. Like, what it is, is you accidentally domesticate these feral cats, or tame these mm -hmm. feral cats, I can't remember what the correct term is. Except... Uh, it, would be, it would be tame, I think. Yeah, you, you successfully tame these feral cats, or so you think, but what you don't realise is the feral cats have been taming each other. And now they're all best friends, and they all work together to eat you, wear your skin, and take over your identity. As a trader. I don't think By... you fit that many... Cats no, like, and a human. Uh, like, some of them wear the skin, and the others, like, you know, are just, just still following around. Uh, and they set up a major business empire trading for fish and uh, milk. Because using the threat of what still must be at least a thousand feral cats, probably. More. Oh, easily. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, you probably, probably get maybe 30 cats in a human size at most. I mean, that would be a particularly large human as well. Yeah. So, yeah, like, still, you know, the vast majority of the feral cats. Uh, most people won't notice that it's a bunch of cats wearing a human skin suit because, you know, they won't want to go close because there's still 1,410 feral cats around you. Uh, mm. So to answer your question, if you didn't have a horse for whatever reason, you need to pull a cart, your business empire will be taken over by a cat wearing your body, and the world will end up in a capitalist dystopia run by 1,440 feral cats who have learned to work together in defiance of cat nature. Did you mean cataclyst? I did. <laughs> also podcast cancelled. That is but, the rule. I do a pod and then you cancel the podcast. But yes, anyway, I hope that answered your question. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, things that are not cats also cost money, which is why we have a Patreon. 
So if we you can want eventually access... buy 1,440 feral cats. Personally, I plan on getting 1,440 feral dogs. And then they fight. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you want access to a Patreon-exclusive Discord server where we play one-shots and talk about RPGs and just talk nonsense with me and Pencil and friends, then... Yeah, patreon.com slash ideas, where you can also get homebrew and bonus episodes. Um, if you have a question, you can email progglybadpodcast at gmail.com or send us a message on Tumblr at ideas. I guess you could also send a message to Twitter at badprobably, but it hasn't happened yet, so I refuse to believe it's possible. Move us wrong. Uh, so yeah, thank you for listening. Do not try to capture every feral cat in New York. Wink. And, <laughs> and remember and to remember have a probably, have a probably bad, bad day. day.